0: Chapter 36 of Marie Antoinette and the Downfall of Royalty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read for you by Chiquito Crasto. Marie Antoinette and the Downfall of Royalty by Imbat de Saint-Amand. Translated by Elizabeth G. Martin. Chapter 36 Madame Roland during the Massacres madame roland's hatred was appeased the ambitious bourgeois throned it for the second time at the ministry the ambitious bourgeois throned it for the second time at the ministry of the interior and the queen groaned in captivity in the temple tower the egeria of the Girondins had not felt her heart swell with a single movement of pity for marie antoinette the fatal tenth of august had seemed to her a personal triumph in which her pride delighted the parvenu enjoyed the humiliations of the daughter of the german caesars her jealous instincts feasted on the afflictions of the queen of france and navarre lamartine indignant at this cruelty on madame roland's part had repented of the eulogies he gave her in his histoire de girondin in his cours de littérature volume thirteen conversation twenty three he says i glided over that medley of intrigue and pomposity which composed the genius both feminine and roman of this woman in so doing i conceded more to popularity than to truth i wanted to give a cornelia to the republic as a matter of fact i do not know what cornelia was that mother of the gracchi who brought up conspirators against the roman senate and trained them to sedition that virtue of ambitious commoners as to madame roland who inflated a vulgar husband by the breath of her feminine anger against a court she found odious because it did not open to her upstart vanity there was nothing really fine in her except her death her role has been a mere parade of true greatness of soul what lamartine finds fault with most of all is her hostility to the martyr queen he adds she inspired the girondins her intimate friends with an implacable hatred against the queen already so humiliated and so menaced she had neither respect nor pity for this victim she points her out to the rebellious multitude she is no longer a wife a mother or a frenchwoman she poses as nemesis at the door of the temple when the queen is groaning there over her husband her children and herself between the throne and the scaffold this ostentatious stoicism of implacability is what in my view kills the woman with this female demagogue alas if madame roland was guilty she was to be punished cruelly the colleague of the virtuous roland was the organizer of the september massacres the republican sheepfold dreamed of by the admirer of Jean-Jacques Rousseau was invaded by ferocious beasts. Human nature had never appeared under a more execrable aspect than since its so-called regeneration, with a naive astonishment. After having sown the wind, she was utterly surprised to reap the whirlwind. What, she said to herself, my husband is minister. Also to speak with great exactness, I am the minister myself. And yet there are people in France who are dissatisfied ungrateful nation why dost thou not appreciate thy happiness Madame roland resembled certain politicians who having attained to power would willingly disembarrass themselves of those by whose aid they reached it for the second time she had just arrived at the goal of her ambition who dared then to pollute her joy why did that Marple danton come with his untimely massacres to destroy such brilliant projects and banish such delightful dreams the man who as if in derision and antithesis allowed himself to be called the minister of justice produced the effect of a monster on madame roland the republic as conceived by him had not the head of a goddess but of a gorgon its eyes glittered with sinister lustre the sword it held was that of an assassin or a headsman madame roland was greatly astonished when on sunday september second seventeen ninety two two at five in the evening when the massacres had already begun she saw two hundred men of forbidding appearance arrive at the ministry of the interior and ask for her husband who was absent lucky for him he was for albeit a minister they had come to arrest him in virtue of a mandate of the communal council of surveillance not finding roland the two hundred men retired one of them with his shirt sleeves rolled up to his elbows and a sabre in his hand declaimed furiously against the treachery of ministers a few minutes later danton said to pétion do you know what they have taken into their heads if they haven't issue a decree to arrest roland who did that demanded the mayor eh hey, those devils of committee men i have taken the mandate whole here it is what was madame roland doing the next day when the worst of the massacres were going on she gave a dinner and allowed the prussian anarcharsis Klutz, who came moreover uninvited to make a regular defence of these horrible murders the events of the day she says in her memoirs formed the subject of conversation cludes pretended to prove that it was an indispensable and salutary measure he uttered a good many commonplaces about the people's rights the justice of their vengeance and of its utility to the welfare of the species he talked a long while and very loudly ate still more and fatigued more than one listener and yet revolutionary passions had not extinguished every notion of humanity and justice in madame roland's soul On that very day, she induced her husband to write a letter to the National Assembly concerning the massacres. But how weak and undecided is this letter, and how public opinion must have been lowered and debased when it could regard Roland as a courageous minister. In place of scathing the murderers with the energy of an honest man, he pleads extenuating circumstances in their favour. It is in the nature of things, and according to the human heart, he said in his pale missive, that victory should lead to some excesses. The sea, agitated by a violent storm, continues to roar long after the tempest. But everything has its limits and must finally see them determined. Yesterday was a day over whose events we ought perhaps to draw a veil. I know that the terrible vengeance of the people carries with it a sort of justice. But how easy it is for scoundrels and traitors to abuse this effervescence, and how necessary it is to arrest it. This language produced not the least effect. The massacres went on, and Roland remained minister, although in his letter of September 3rd he had written, I ask the privilege of resigning if the silence of the laws does not permit me to act. The virtuous Roland sat in the council beside his colleague, the organizer of this human butchery. September 13th he addressed a letter to the Parisians in which he burnt incense to himself, bragged about his character, his actions, and his firmness, and carried his infatuation so far as to write, I have twice accepted a burden which I felt myself able to bear ah how difficult it is to renounce even a shadow of power and of what compromises with their consciences are not ministers capable in order to retain for a few days longer the portfolios that are slipping from their hands in the depths of his soul roland like his wife had the profoundest horror of the murders and the murderers and yet notice how he extenuates them in his letter to the parisians i admired august tenth i trembled over the results of september second i carefully considered what the betrayed patience of the people and their justice had produced and i did not blame a first impulse to inconsiderately. i believed that its further progress should have been prevented and that those who were seeking to perpetuate it were deceived by their imagination or by cruel and evil-minded men if the erring brethren recognize that they have been deceived let them come my arms are open to them that was a very prompt amnesty already the assassins are but erring brethren and the minister welcomes them into his arms the gironde kept silence or if it spoke it was to attribute like vergnon the massacres to the emigre and the satellite of coblenz later on they were horrified by the crimes but it was when others were to profit by them each taken by himself the girondins did not hesitate to condemn the murders but taken as a whole they considered merely the interests of their party were not three of them still in the ministerial council what had they to complain of then the september massacres are the most striking expression of what abominations the ambitious may commit or allow to be committed in order to maintain themselves a few weeks longer in power but there is a voice in the depths of conscience which neither interest nor ambition can succeed in stifling madame roland could not blind herself the odious reality appeared to her at last she saw the yawning gulf beneath her feet and she uttered a cry of terror a secret voice warned her that her fate would be like that of the september victims after the ninth of that fatal month her imagination was vividly impressed bloody phantoms rose before her she wrote on that day to boncal des if you knew the frightful details of these expeditions you know my enthusiasm for the revolution well i am ashamed of it it has become hideous in a week how do i know what may happen it is degrading to remain in office and we are not permitted to leave paris we are detained so that we may be destroyed at the propitious moment from that time a rising anger and indignation took possession of the mind and heart of the egeria of the girondin and constantly increased until the hour when she ascended the steps of the scaffold she writes in her memoirs apropos of the september massacres all paris witnessed these horrible scenes executed by a small number of wretches there were but fifteen at the abbey at the door of which only two national guards were stationed in spite of the applications made to the commune and the commandant all paris permitted it to go on all paris was accursed in my eyes and i no longer hoped that liberty might be established among cowards insensible to the worst outrages that could be perpetrated against nature and humanity cold spectators of attempts which the courage of fifty armed men could have prevented with ease it is not the first night that astonishes me but four days an inquisitive people going to see the spectacle no i know nothing in the annals of the most barbarous peoples which can compare with these atrocities what a striking lesson for those who play with anarchical passions and end by falling themselves into the snares they have laid for others nothing is more deserving of study than this retaliatory punishment which is found one may say on every page of revolutionary histories The hour was coming when the Girondins and their heroine would repent of the means they had employed to overset the throne. This was when the same means were employed against them, when they recognized their own weapons in the wounds they received. Then, when they had no more interest in keeping silence, they sought to escape a complicity that gained them nothing. Instead of the luminous heights which in their golden dreams they had aspired to gain, they fell, crushed and overwhelmed into a dismal gulf, full of tears and blood. How bitter then were their recriminations against men and things! It was only to virtue that the dying Brutus said, "Thou art but a name." The Girondins said it also to glory, to country, and to liberty. Those among them who did not succeed in fleeing disavowed, denounced, and insulted each other before the revolutionary tribunal. At the Conciergerie, they intoned the Marseillaise, but parodying the demagogic chant in this wise: "Contre nous, de la tyrannie, le couteau sanglant élevé." Read the memoirs of Louis, Buzot, Babarou, Pétillon, and Madame Roland, and you will see to what extremes of bitterness the language of deceived ambition can go. They are paroxysms of rage, howls of anger, shrieks of despair. Consider the difference between philosophy and religion, the philosopher's curse, and the Christian pardons. Yes, as Edgar Kiné has said, Louis XVI alone speaks of forgiveness on that scaffold to which the others were to bring thoughts of vengeance and despair and by that he seems still to reign over those who were to follow him in death with the passions and the furies of earth louis the sixteenth will be magnanimous and calm a celestial sweetness will overspread this royal countenance an infernal rage will distort the heart and the features of the what pains what tortures in their death struggle earth fails them and they do not look to heaven what accents of disgust and hatred when they speak of their former accomplices now become their executioners great god buzot will say if it is only by such men and such infamous means that republics can arise and be consolidated there is no government more frightful on this earth nor more fatal to human happiness he will address these insults worthy of the imprecations of camillus to the city of paris i say truly that france can expect neither liberty nor happiness except from the irreparable destruction of that capital Babarou will be more severe his anathemas are launched not only at paris but at all france the people he says do not deserve that one should become attached to them for they are essentially ungrateful it is the absurdest folly to try to conduct to liberty people without morals who blaspheme god and adore these people are no more fit for a philosophical government than the lazzaroni of naples or the cannibals of america liberty virtue sacred rights of men Today you are nothing but empty names. Petillon, before dying, will write to his son this letter, which is like the testament of the Gironde. My greatest torment will be to think that so many crimes went unpunished. Vengeance is here, the most sacred of duties. My son, either the murderers of thy father and thy country will be delivered to the severities of the law and expiate their crimes upon the scaffold, or thou art under obligation to free thy country from them they have broken all the ties of society their crimes are of such a nature that they do not fall under ordinary rules from such monsters every one is authorized to purge the earth madame roland will not be less vehement than buzot babarou and Petillon. she will address these severe but just reproaches to her friends who had not been valiant enough in their own defence they temporized with crime the cowards they were to fall in their turn but they succumbed shamefully pitied by nobody and with nothing to expect from posterity but utter contempt rather than obey their tyrants than descend from the bar and go out of the assembly like a timid flock about to be branded by the butcher why did they not do justice to themselves by falling on the monsters to annihilate them rather than be sentenced by them it is not her friends alone whom her anger will lash but the sovereign people the people once so flattered whom she will pursue with her anathemas the people she will say can feel nothing but the cannibal joy of seeing blood flow in order that they may run no risk of shedding their own that predicted time has come when if they ask for bread dead bodies will be given them but their degraded nature takes pleasure in the spectacle and the satisfied instinct of cruelty makes the dirt supportable until it becomes absolute the egeria of the Girondins will comprehend that all is lost that even her blood will be sterile and that France is condemned either to anarchy or a dictatorship liberty she will exclaim was not made for this corrupt nation which leaves the bed of debauchery or the dunghill of poverty only to brutalize itself in license and howl as it wallows in the blood streaming from scaffolds like the damned souls in dante madame roland will leave all hope behind and when a few days after marie antoinette she ascends the steps of the guillotine instead of thinking of heaven like the queen She will address this sarcastic speech to the plaster statue which has replaced that of Louis the fifteenth. O liberty, how they have betrayed thee! But let us not anticipate. The Girondins are still to have a glimmer of joy. The republic is about to be proclaimed. Chapter thirty six read for you by Chiquito Crasto, Birmingham, Alabama.